bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. First, just a reminder that we have merch, redbubble.com slash people slash bad and bitchy. Also, if you've been listening for a while, or even if you're new, support us and our work on Patreon, patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. And just a reminder that we have a weekly column in the Hill Times. Uh, we know it's behind a paywall, but if you're not a subscriber, we post all of our columns on our website, badandbitchy.com. Finally, we're on social media. All of our contact info can be found in the show notes. All right, Amy, let's get into it. So, the election. Um, it happened. <laughs> Then, it's over finally well, and maybe not for long no but is it me or are we going into um a, a, a continual campaign cycle uh i don't know how it's been any different to be honest okay because i feel like everybody's campaigning all the time like especially now well they'll have to i mean that's the very nature of minority governments right. i felt that people were campaigning during the entire four years <laughs> trudeau was in office true true because i think a lot of uh folks on the right were campaigning as if they were in america and trying to piggyback off what trump is doing we've had a lot of pretty um kind of earth-shattering provincial elections from you know the good and the bad from bc to ontario and and you know the manitoba election was hotly contested and then obviously we have the formation of the people's party and then we, which you know was a whole kind of campaign period in and of itself and then the ndp wasted 17 months <laughs> until they got their leader so you know and and anytime you have a leadership contest people are necessarily kind of campaigning outside the party too to show that they can go up against the liberals so that that discussion was sort of there on the left as well so i feel like it's We've been in perpetual, you know, like, I don't think it's, I don't know. I don't think it's, uh, I think it's a worldwide thing yeah. actually, because you're right. I mean, a lot of it's of, of course driven by the, um, gluttonous, you know, digital media. Yeah. Yeah, power. yeah. Totally. But also I, you know, with, because there have been, um, sort of official and, and I feel like unofficial plebiscites, mm -hmm. uh, especially I'm thinking Brexit. Right. Um, and just events like Charlatan, mm -hmm. Charlottetown and uh, and others um, that I mean, the world is in an uproar right now. I was looking at the Chile protests, mm -hmm. the protests in Chile. There's a human chain being formed in Lebanon mm -hmm. in protest. Um, Britain is just a mess. The U.S. is a mess. We're <laughs> limping along, I feel. And um, it, what's, what I find interesting is, so I'm going to pick up on that PPC comment. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of people saying Canada's fine. The PPC didn't get, they got shut out in the election. So we're all good. Um, I have my own thoughts. And that's why you have a podcast. <laughs> and so do you. <laughs> and that's why you're on it. <laughs> so I would like to open up just by saying I don't believe that this is some repudiation of the PPC's 
principles and values. No, hardly. I think, and I will say this, that they just had the wrong vessel. That's all. I feel like they had the wrong vessel, some slick marketing, and I feel that they would have done better and a better leader. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't hear something that I'm going to say that you will not hear on any major Canadian news media talking about this issue. I think the fact that Maxine Bernier is a Quebecer out in the West does not play well either. Mm -hmm. And, you know, call me whatever, as I'm sure everybody, I'm sure people do, but uh, I think that is what has hobbled them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's not about the values and principles. So you mean there is discrimination... Is there <laughs> okay, I understand. No, I mean I totally buy that. I buy that um, there there may be a, a disconnect or uh, I between use him. I use the principles very loosely. <laughs> no, no, but I think there there might have been yeah an issue with with the the messenger for some some folks and maybe some different parts of uh, Canada other than yeah the Quebec and Ontario where. You know, he still had some pull. I mean, even the fact that in his own, I whatever, I appreciate he lost to see, and there was that was beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah, thing. It was a beautiful moment. Uh, he lost to a conservative, and he lost by a handful of votes. Mm-hmm. By, by hand, it's more than a handful. It's a couple thousand, mm-hmm. but a couple thousand. You know, he got like sixteen thousand votes. I'm totally just doing this off memory. You can That's fact check me, but I'm pretty sure I'm in the ballpark. Yeah, I will not fact check myself because I fact checked a lot of other things for this episode, and I'm done. Um, <laughs> we all did, but uh, but no. I <laughs> I mean, I think he he still had a decent showing. He's not a marginal person, and he lost to a conservative who probably held similar views, but held him in an, a, a more uh, you know legitimized political party. And people thought, well, why would we you know p- place our uh, support behind uh, an unknown uh, party who's go- he's going to be one alone in isolation when we could have a voice through the conservative party in parliament whatever you don't really know what's in the heads of voters but i don't think it's that much of a reach it's not like he was trounced by some progressive yes um and i I, you know he's still the same person he was when he ran for the leadership of the conservative party and won with 49 percent of the vote there exactly or lost rather but was you know where she won by beating him out in a very very narrow um runoff so to me i i think like that is enough for me to be upset that the PPC exists and still maybe not want to talk about it to the extent of not wanting to give them more air than they're due. But I do think we should at least have the caution. Like we've learned some things in this election just by the virtue of their running. Like we know which ridings and which polls and neighborhoods had support for the PPC. And that, you know, I was at a uh, polling station for the count, uh, you know, in Ottawa South, because uh, I was volunteering for a candidate and just seeing the votes for the PPC come in, I was like, there's a handful of people in this community, in this exact neighborhood, in this collection of buildings and a couple blocks of this neighborhood in this riding that are walking amongst us voting for this fucker like that's more than i need to know like that's that's enough for me to be upset um and not just upset but like want to think like how would we change that and obviously there will always be you know folk the folks who share it have terrible views and and have racist views and and anti-immigrant views all over in every political party but the fact that they're you know have a place to congregate in a and you know in the party even though it doesn't have official party status and doesn't exist in parliament is still an organizing unit that will probably continue to do some work. I don't think Maxim Bernier is going to go quietly in the night either. Yeah, and he's going to um, fundraise. Yeah. 
So um, I think we need to get out of this this idea that it's winner take all. Mm -hmm. It's not. That's, yeah, and that's I mean, if we had a different, works. if we had a different system, there may have been places where they did get some exactly. support, right? Okay, so. so proportional representation actually means that they could have gotten some support. Potentially. Potentially. I mean, they would, they'd have to meet a certain threshold, Obviously, but they'd have a better yeah. shot than they probably do in the current system. So, but I think we want to look more closely at like where they took vote share away from the conservatives and how much and, and yes. talk about that. I'm so waiting for this exit polling data. Like I would love to, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Um, I also, uh, find it interesting, um, like the conservatives in general are just taking L's. Mm -hmm. um, as, as we rightly predicted, <laughs> which was not a stretch. I was going to say, it wasn't a reach. <laughs> was can't real really stretch. take credit for that. <laughs> but the point is we weren't wrong. Anyway, um, I think, you know, so where are the conservatives now? Like what, what are, because they have a regional base. In Alberta and Saskatchewan. Fine. Alberta and Saskatchewan voted, 67% of those provinces voted for the CPC. For the rest of Canada, that number drops to 28.6%, which is another reason why we don't elect the popular vote. But anyway, um, where are the CPC going to get these votes back? Because, and also, are they in danger of becoming a regional party? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm that convinced. At the end of the day, I do think the Conservative Party as an institution, as an organization, is probably one of the better, probably even more uh, well-equipped than the liberals even in terms of their fundraising and their organization. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't dismiss them outright. No. But I think the piece about, you know, frankly, less so their success in the West, which has always been true. The West has always, if they've ever lost seats, it's been theirs to lose. Yeah. Um, I think it's more the liberals collapse in the West will be the thing that the, the obviously the conservatives are going to trumpet at every turn. Mm -hmm. And it's going to start with, well, whatever happens with how uh, Trudeau will appoint his cabinet, I imagine he'll try to find someone from out west who hasn't been elected. That'll cause some consternation. You know, I'm sure people will make a lot of hay about that. I don't see how he can, though, avoid having any representation from the West by only sticking to the elected MP. So who knows what he'll do. But mm -hmm. um, either way, they're going to make a big deal about that. But I mean, I think generally, though, they do have a fear... <coughs> base of support in Ontario uh, I think they just couldn't rely on it to the extent that they n ordinarily would because of the Ford f factor and that might not be a live issue in the, the next election right how much of it does uh, how much depends on the leader then because I, I think they are voting what to whether or not to review Andrew Shear's leadership soon. yeah yeah um, Andrew Shear's unfavorables 
I think, went up once people started getting to know him. Sure, absolutely. That doesn't <laughs> surprise know? me. He's a bit of a dud. And a lot of people felt like if they had a more charismatic. Yes. Um, and a more, um, you know, I mean, he just felt stilted. Even the, you know, the photos with his family or posting at Thanksgiving a picture with his family that was clear, that the same one that he had posted back in August. <laughs> you know, and it's just like. Like we won't notice. Yeah. Um, so it like, just says a lot of issues uh, I think relating um, and and uh, he wasn't a particularly strong debater either he no. he really fell back on a lot of uh, just canned statements and I mean so as did Trudeau yeah. Trudeau is not a natural either no um, he was far more natural in 2015 because I think he he's stronger railing from the outside than he was kind of feeling comfortable yeah. as a prime minister not that he's uncomfortable because he's really great at wielding his power but he's not great at justifying or defending it because um, they think he, he, he does want to be likable. He just doesn't know how to be a likable prime minister when he's being challenged. And if he's not being challenged, you're just inviting him to say hello. He can be really charming. Oh, yeah. Um, but she, yeah. Uh, to be fair, I mean, that's where you really get to know where a man is, yeah. right? Is when he's being challenged. Yeah. I think Sheer came in at the wrong time. Like, you know, the comparison between Trudeau and Sheer is fair. Mm-hmm. You know, sweater vest, whatever, you know, Midwestern, whatever. We don't have the expression, but yeah. like Prairie Dad yeah. um, is very much a, a really the, the, the mold in which they are both cut from. And and it's, you know, I think where, tr- where Harper benefited was that he came in at the time where the Liberal Party was due, long overdue, to be booted out and he happened he was well placed at the right time there was the the sponsorship i mean it was going to happen it was only a matter of time martin was was clinging on for dear life and and (laughs) yeah no but you know a lot of people you know like whatever he was dealt a bad hand too right so yeah um and just it was a lot of luck and timing i think for stephen harper i think if Mm. stephen harper ran against you know kretchen in his heyday or even paul martin if he had been given a proper shot to Mm -hmm. govern Mm -hmm. there completely no contest situation well i think Um, stephen harper is just overrated but because of that timing yeah but he got a chance to govern yeah and people conservatives like what they saw mm-hmm. and they continued to rally around him mm-hmm. and the liberal party had a huge branding quote-unquote branding issue i really hate that expression but that's how they build them that's how they speak of it and then they tried to rebuild and they took and then they obviously had a lot of fumbles along the road andrew Shear came in at a time where trudeau was still relatively popular maybe not as popular as when he was elected, but we do have a pattern in this country of giving people at least a second chance to govern. Very rarely do people only get one term or does a party get one term in office. That is so true. So it was almost, in my to me, it was almost never going to happen that the conservatives would win this election. Oh, I see. I, I never believed I never believe that mm-hmm. they'd have a shot in hell to actually win. I it was just how strong can they kind of put the gears to Trudeau and it seems like they did actually um, by that measure they did fairly decent right um and I think some you know there's enough probably enough conservatives to be happy with that to let Sheer hang on yeah uh but you know plus you don't want to I I don't conservatives can be petty too though they can and they like to eat their young yeah and Um, the, the rumors that McKay is kind of organizing trying to see if he has a chance of a run Peter McKay I think that's pro- that's possible. How I how know. serious those discussions are, and will they actually follow through? I don't know. 
I think they're going to try to. Get, I think there's enough forces in the party that will want Cheer to be given at least a shot for a little while. Longer. I don't. I I will be honest with you. I don't think it's smart strategically to pull him now. No, no. I don't think it's not with, in a minute. Same my, with Jagmeet. Yeah, I not in a minority no. government situation. No. You don't have time. You don't have time. You don't have time to pick the leader, introduce them, and then run them. And you, number and, one, and, you and you're. Your your efforts should really be in holding the government's feet to fire yeah, and, and to planning promote, for the next election and to promote and to heal whatever rifts there may be in the party after yeah. the election. That's what I feel. Yeah, I don't think there are obvious rifts in the conservative party in the way that there would be if they ran a leadership. And you can't and it's really you don't know what's going to happen and how dirty it's going to get. I mean, they right. they came from just having a pretty vicious leadership. So I don't <laughs> think that they're. It would be smart to go down that path. Uh, but, yeah, uh, but they're as the you most said, uh, they're petty. Yeah, that's true. And they are the most election ready of the parties insofar as their funding, fundraising is they concerned. They have an so incredible they, infrastructure. Yeah, incredible. so they're primed. They could call, you know, if they wanted to bring down this government, you know, it dep- and it, uh, you know, this is why the NDP will support the liberals regardless, mm-hmm. uh, probably for a little bit of time until they can organize themselves. But, right. you know, the conservatives are ready. And they're probably better to call, you know, they can they can buy their time for a perfect moment and be ready tomorrow if they wanted to to hit the road. Obviously, they won't do that. They'll wait a bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's not true for the Greens or the NDP or the Bloc. Not that the Greens have any power, but the, yeah, the, the NDP and the Bloc for sure probably aren't as ready. So Elizabeth May is stepping down. Speaking of the Greens. Really? Yeah. Oh, how did I miss that? Yeah, she's uh, she's not going to run in the next election. What the fuck? Yeah. I honestly was just saying there's no I can't imagine her ever ling- letting go of the party because she treats that she's treated the Green Party as her own personal little fiefdom. That's shocking to me. Well, like the number of times that she has said, I will leave the I, I don't I won't be leader of the party if you support BDS. I won't be the leader of the party if you do this. I won't be the leader of the party if you do that. Like she was like holding the fucking party hostage. That's wild to me that she's actually going to step down. Yep. Yesterday. I mean, the Toronto to, Star had get to walk off it. on a high note. So that's yeah. Um, so, you know. I would say if this were a tweet, I'd be like, retweet if you think like the next leader is going to be some white guy, (laughs) because I feel like that's all the Green Party has. And which is really unfortunate because I find the climate change slash environmental movement in Canada very white and very male. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I, I guess that's just a side note, just to say stay tuned for um news i believe the house is sitting on november 20th too i think that's the opening of the next session the 44th session of parliament or 43rd session 43rd. of parliament 43rd session of parliament um so look out for that also where what is the liberal strategy now i mean my my theory is that there you know there are going to tailor things to the conservatives yes. more than they're going to tailor things to the NDP. Agreed. 
Um, I think they'll throw some things in. They'll probably have more omnibus legislation, which they, is already their, their MO. But oh, isn't that something else that they promised they would end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A likely story. Okay. Uh, so I think that's the easiest way because then you can bundle a bunch of things together. Right. And have everyone kind of swallow the bitter pill and get some some movement on some progressive issues that are probably just window dressing and then get the tax cuts for the conservatives in and all, whatever other things that they want. That's right. Done, so. Um, so agreed. Uh, I think the liberals are going to basically give the conservatives a lot. Mm. Um, but uh, to get yeah, and the I votes, wish they were more honest about that, but I guess that's not how they were. But Amy... We don't need a progressive opposition. We need a progressive government. Amy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'll be a clip that gets played back. Like the two minute, uh, you know, cut of him saying this is the last election under proportional representation. I think I say that clip where he <sighs> says that about the NDP and the Greens will be I the, know. the next viral thing. I know. I know. All right, let's leave Canada and head to the States because Facebook had quite a week this week. Actually, Facebook's had quite a couple of weeks. So Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook took more L's this week than the Conservatives. And uh, because Zucks appeared before the House Financial Services Committee, a committee chaired by hashtag reclaiming my time memester and Congresswoman Maxine Waters, also known on black Twitter as anti-Maxine. His appearance was to defend his new cryptocurrency project Libra. Instead, he got his ass dragged by notable members of the committee, including anti-Maxine, AOC, and my personal new fave, Representative Katie Porter-Gillis. So let me explain Libra. And before we do that, I have to define what a cryptocurrency is. A cryptocurrency is a currency that exists in the digital world and relies on encryption, which makes transactions secure. So it's an alternative form of payment to cash, credit cards, and checks. Uh, The technology behind it allows you to send it directly to others without going through a third-party bank a third party like a bank. Um, And the main features of cryptocurrency security is provided by blockchain technology. So basically, Facebook wants to be in charge of the first truly global digital currency. It is no surprise that Facebook is selling Libra as financial inclusion. Financial inclusion means that individuals and businesses have access to usable and affordable financial products and services that meet their needs. Now, this is an interesting financial inclusion is something that has come up of recent times, especially this year because of Libra. So I will say that Facebook Libra has opened up this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bank of Canada has been doing work on, uh, I know, money markets, Okay, money, yeah, mar- yeah, yeah. money marts, basically. Okay. And in doing this work, what they found is that there are large swaths of the population who are excluded from banks, basically Mm -hmm. banking institutions. Mm -hmm. So where do you put your paycheck? How can you smooth consumption? How can you create wealth? So there, this financial, so being excluded from the banking process 
is actually amounts to a wealth tax on lower income families, immigrants and migrants, indigenous people, and basically just the marginalized in general. Without access to these banks, you cannot accumulate wealth. They are known as the unbanked. So um, I'm going to throw out some stats here. Uh, banked households, this is from a Bank of Canada um, paper. Banked households reports a substantially higher net wealth than their unbanked counterparts, with a gap of around 70, 74,000 euros and or 42,000 American dollars. One reason for this wealth difference is that banked households are considerably more likely to accumulate wealth through ownership of their principal residence. So this very much intersects with affordable housing issues, and this is a particularly class issue. So um, I think I'm going to ask you, I guess, mm-hmm. um, is there any, uh, in terms of labor and the unbanked, mm-hmm. I so I know that Canada, the Canada Postal, the Canada Post Union, mm-hmm. so the Union of Postal Workers at Canada Post, mm-hmm. we're trying to, we're supporting the creation of a bank through Canada Post and its networks and infrastructure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that would um, that would service primarily rural people and marginalized people. And what happened to that? Do we know? Yeah, not. I mean. You know, it's. Uh, I don't think it has the support of, of Canada Post. It was they, the union even tried to raise it as one of their bargaining demands. I'm not sure if it's still a live issue. Um, but uh, I think there's a lot of support for it in different communities and organizations um, working with, um, you know, underserved people. But I think there, it makes a lot of sense. You yeah. think about rural northern communities; there's still postal offices, right? By you know, by a law, they have to exist. They they have they're frequently trafficked. There's a lot of um, mail and shipping that happens up there through the Canada Post. Uh, so it's not that much of a reach that there is a, a physical place, but it's also um, you know a way to kind of have at least one you know, basic nationalized service that would allow you to have a checking account or some form of, of, of basic banking. You know, it's not going to be an, also a, your investment fund and your insurance company, although maybe an insurance that's offered through the federal government could be cool too. Um, but uh, I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot that's been, a lot of work that's been done researching uh, this. So people are interested, there's, you know, you can see what Cup W um, or CUPW has said about it, the Center for Policy Alternatives did a report on it um it's it's extremely viable but it does require um some uh, buy-in by canada well Post, canada yeah. post would have to implement it yeah. or or you know it comes from the government um, right and so you know not some you know it's funny that the bank of canada looked into it but there isn't a conversation you know with the liberals wanting to kind of bring this in so yeah and you know I mean, they're already. It would be. It could be a Canadian. You know, it's it's not going to be Canada Post, but it would be Canada Post delivering it. Right. The federal government setting it up. So where is that? Or it could be Canada Post creating it, a bank and doing that. But whatever the arrangement is, I think there is also an a role for some political will. Um, <clears throat> there is also. Uh, it was studied in the House of Commons. Um, it's a private members' bill um, ra- uh, raised by uh, Irene Matheson in the last uh, Parliament to. 
to look at it, but it was uh, defeated. Uh, just even the, the private members motion to study it. So the liberals didn't even have an appetite to They didn't even want to committee. study yeah. it? Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. How's that? Prog- oh, they progressives? Okay. Yeah. So that's something that, you know, if you do feel passionately about this and it's something that is one of the sides, kind of the hidden sides of what it is to live in poverty to live in northern and rural areas that we might not think about if we're privileged in a bank account is you know something that a lot of us have and don't don't pay much mind to we don't think think about it i think if you're if this if you're now coming to this or or you've been thinking about this there's probably an opportunity to do some advocacy for sure around it because it's still a it's a very much needed and live issue yeah and it's a very important issue um I, I also want to say that when I when I lived in England, uh, there if you were an immigrant yeah. or a migrant, you couldn't get a bank account. You had to be like a permanent resident or have residency status mm-hmm. to have a bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to have that residency status, I think the IDs that you had to provide for people who were on work permits they couldn't provide. So people, even people who were here in England legally could not provide the documents because the documents, it was like a catch 22. It's like, you want us to provide documents, but we need you Mm -hmm. to get the documents Mm -hmm, to provide mm -hmm. the documents. Also, um, Bank of America has been caught freezing immigrants um, or the bank accounts of suspected uh, what you call it? Uh, people who have questions about their immigration status. Right. It doesn't mean that they're not legally in America. Mm-hmm. It's just that they have suspicions. Look, I mean, look, pa- banks have a lot of power over us. Without getting it too much into it, I'm. There are banks that will let people go as clients without any due process, and they have no obligation. Uh, to review your your file in any way. So I, you know, if they get a call and the RCMP is investigating you or they get a call and your employer is checking up on you for a security check yeah, and they don't need to know the findings, you may have found to be not convicted, not charged, nothing happens, not convicted, nothing wrong with you, but the bank gets a little suspicious and they can just fire you as a client yeah, and you have no recourse. So, but you know, your bank has a lot of, and I've seen that you know, without yeah. elaborating too yeah. much, but so it, it is. Uh, it's it's, wild. it's it's wild how much power that banks have um, over what's become the really only way that you can kind of keep your, you know, yeah. Because human, how, how can you not have a bank account in today's economy? Yeah. Well, just I mean, a lot of uh, employers too want to now insist on direct deposits. Yes, and they don't want to give you the opportunity. They won't do checks and they won't do cash. Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of shit out of luck if you don't have a bank account. Exactly. So, not- which is why you should always fight anytime your employer says they only want to do, uh, you know, and and unions try to fight that. Like okay, you can I- get it through direct checking but you can't direct deposit but that can't be the only method but sometimes you'll see employers try to put that in collective agreements or contracts i have be wary of that i um i agree i and i don't (laughs) the other thing too just as an anecdote just as an anecdote i um 
I wrote something and in order to get paid, they wanted me to give them information, like banking information, so they can do direct deposit. And I was like, no, I literally said, I don't feel comfortable sending you that kind of private information over Gmail. Mm -hmm. Okay. Send me a check. Yeah. I mean, it took them forever to send the check. I don't know why it took, takes forever to send a damn check. But, yeah. like, I had to, like, it's just one because... one thing when it's your employer where you have a relationship, they yeah. have a lot of your private records. It's right. another thing to do that for one-off freelancers. Yeah. yeah. And that does worry me. Um, and then you think about other businesses. I mean, you probably can't drive Uber unless you have an account to send the money to because it's all electronic. So even if you wanted to pick up odd hours doing, you know, side work. Yes. um, Thinking of people who are, you know, may need other jobs and have multiple hustles and whatever else. Well, a lot of those things now are digital. So you don't have a boss, you don't have an office, there's no interface and everything is transferred to an account that you register through an app. So which is why the Internet is a public utility. Okay. nationalize it yay (laughs) i'm for it um so going back to facebook and their i'm okay i went through maxine waters opening statement and she gives a whole litany of Mm. stuff with facebook i took out all the financial trading whatever like stuff that didn't have anything to do with equity or inclusion or anything. Right, right, right. And there was still a long list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go through this as quickly as possible, but I think it bears mentioning. So let's review Facebook's record. I would like to say the committee, the title of the committee hearing is an examination of Facebook and its impact on the financial services and housing sectors. So that should give you a clue. Facebook is not innocuous, people. On diversity and inclusion... Facebook's executive ranks and workforce continue to be mostly white and male. Since Reverend Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Push Coalition called upon Silicon Valley companies, including Facebook, to release diversity statistics statistics more than five years ago, the representation of African-Americans and Hispanics has increased by less than 2%. Facebook also told us that they... told them told the committee that they have zero dollars managed by diverse firms so think about facebook's vast network and financial services and and so on and so forth and think about the impact of like basically the large one of the world's largest companies not doing business with anybody who is not white okay next on fair housing And then you wonder why we have wealth gaps. Okay, on fair housing. Facebook has been sued by the National Fair Housing Alliance for enabling advertisers to engage in discrimination on its advertising platforms. Even the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development has also filed an official charge of discrimination against Facebook for its advertising practices, including the company's own ad delivery algorithms, which were found to have a discriminatory impact even when advertisers did not target their audience in discriminatory ways. Facebook has refused to cooperate with HUD's fair housing investigation by refusing to provide relevant data. Wow. Unreal. I have no idea, actually. For some reason, this story evaded me, the housing... Girl, component. it's a lot. It's That's a lot. Unreal. I do. I like. I try to post about these things on 
like the not in my color facebook page mm-hmm. because i'm like i i just this is such a big issue when it comes to what we talk about and what we do we just talked about banking and now we're talking about this yeah and i just want to make sure that people know like the extent yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean I, I look i i mean i'm not surprised that advertisers and the algorithm is shit and yeah. i imagine but that and we've talked about how different ai will like you know we it's obviously coded certain ways so they're yeah. like you know we're gonna promote these fancy condos to all people making x income and living in these neighborhoods and those neighborhoods are white then like yes that's you know obviously gonna have a discriminatory impact that part doesn't surprise but the fact that it's like known and that the government is going after them yeah and that they're not cooperating yeah that's news to me well i didn't even talk okay so as a sidebar in like Facebook has apparently, I think it was an Illinois judge. Yes. Um, The U.S. Circuit of Appeals. Uh, Facebook can now be sued for, um, I think, uh, like a breach of data or privacy issues and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which in itself is wow. I can't wait for that first lawsuit. Yeah, that's yeah, that'll be there'll be a lot. Yeah. So on elections. Facebook enabled the Russian government to interfere with U.S. elections in 2016 with ads designed to pit Americans against each other, support, suppress the vote and boost Trump. Uh, I would like to say that that Russia disproportionately targeted black people for their attacks. Mm -hmm. For example, Facebook allowed a counterfeit Black Lives Matter web page to operate with the goal of discouraging African-Americans for voting. That's voter suppression. Mm -hmm. Like, that's constitutional. Anyway, presently, Russia and Iran are using the same tactics to meddle in the 2020 election. Political speech. Okay, so this is where I'm just like, I can't believe you're still running with this and you think this still plays out, especially after Charlottesville, after certain things, right? So last week, so in the Thursday before... Um, Zuckerberg's testimony. He went to Georgetown and delivered a speech that is honestly nauseating. Okay. Mm -hmm. But this was obviously his attempt to frame his testimony, his upcoming testimony on Facebook. Ah, yes. Of course. (sighs) Okay. So. Um, also this week, Zuckerberg, so let me start with the speech, okay? Because there's a lot that comes from this speech. Um, so he claimed the mantle of Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, and the founding fathers as champions of free speech, declaring, quote, I'm here today because I believe we must continue to stand for free expression, unquote. Sherilyn Eiffel, the president and director counsel of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and fingers crossed, I'm just hoping she's a relative, (laughs) wrote a great op-ed in the Washington Post rebuking Zuckerberg's use of MLK in his speech, saying, in his speech, Zuckerberg invoked King's letter from Birmingham jail as an example of the tension that comes with free expression, attention Zuckerberg encouraged us to embrace. 
What Zuckerberg failed to note is that King was the subject of violent assaults and finally assassination that were the result of the same kind of hate-fueled disinformation campaigns that infect the internet and are now aimed at a different generation of civil rights leaders. And I think the safety issue is a huge issue that that just doesn't make it into Mark Zuckerberg's <laughs> oratory of of free speech and freedom and blah blah blah. Anyway, so now his so on Friday, as in like we're recording on a Sunday two days ago, Zuckerberg announced the Facebook news. So there's a new news section in Facebook that you will have on your app. I know, yay. I don't understand why, because we have Apple News, so I don't know why I would go to fate, whatever, but whatever. A curated section on the social network will partner with news publishers and will pay them as a mea culpa for his pivot to video bullshit hmm. based on shitty stats, which he is now being sued for. Remember pivot to video? Yeah. That were based on faulty stats and, and an enormous amount of journalists lost their jobs over that? Okay. But that's not what I'm talking about. Facebook will pay for content from double, dozens of news publishers, but what stood out about this news is the inclusion of the far-right online outlet Breitbart News. Breitbart actively courted the right-wing f- online fringes and helped to launder white nationalist talking points into the mainstream, so much so that Steve Bannon was invited by the Monk debates to debate <clears throat> his free speech or whatever the fuck he was there for. So, this all comes on the heels of Zuckerberg being caught having hosting informal talks of small off-the-record dinners with conservative journalists, commentators, and at least one Republican lawmaker in recent months to talk about issues like free speech and discuss partnerships. And I'm really wondering if Facebook really is just turning into a right-wing mouthpiece. Yeah, I mean, it's wild to me that after everything that they've been through over the last couple years, that they're almost doubling down on this approach. And I wonder if they know something we don't know about the users on Facebook and what people are responding to. Well, I was I was reading a New York Times piece on this, and that's what they said. Yeah, that they're that you know you could say whatever to Facebook, but Facebook is a company that's going to respond to its users' clicks, basically. Yeah. And that Breitbart News was clicked on enough that they yeah. figured that they should include it that's to the, yeah. improve the I'm user not, experience. Yeah, totally, and and that's not to say that re- Facebook should shouldn't be better regulated or regulated at all that we shouldn't have these public hearings of them but there is also a deeper problem there's a deeper problem and we've just talked about voter suppression almost like the new form of redlining Mm -hmm. okay so facebook on its own has invented a new form of redlining so there's that and then there's i didn't even I, i i didn't even talk about the whole elizabeth warren part of it or, you know, and I thought this was interesting that Elizabeth Warren a couple of weeks ago released a fake Facebook ad to show how porous yeah. Facebook's policies are. Yeah, saying that Zuckerberg had endorsed Trump. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, um, and, and then Trump had endorsed the Green New Deal or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, I love that it was cheeky. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, the, 
the response was so ignorant about what the dangers are. And I mean, I, I just wish that they had stepped up to at least kind of grapple with these ideas instead of falling back on these old tropes of free speech, unfettered free speech as being the only way to protect free speech. It's just wild. It's, it is. And the fact that they're continuing with this nonsense mm-hmm. in the face of mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. is just like there is a hubris re- with respect to power there yeah. that I I am glad I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But at at, as it stands now, Facebook is just damn dangerous mm-hmm. because they're not, if they're not fact checking on mm-hmm. political ads. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. wow. And you know what the temerity that that motherfucker had to say? Well, I mean, political ads aren't even that big of, you know, it doesn't even represent that much of our revenue. So, you know, this is really more trouble than it's worth. Then get the fuck out of the political ads business. Yeah. But you're not going to do that because of the power it wields. See, this is the thing. Money and power are very, very closely related. But you can have one without the other. Yeah, I don't think the political ads are enough because obviously there's ways around that and that's what the, the Russian interference piece but is. But what about third-party ads that are political? No, no, for that's sure. That's the other thing. No, but I... And the, yeah. and, and the groups, the fake groups with yeah. the f- dummy accounts and all that shit. Yeah. So, you know, I think it is it is a bigger problem than that. And they're all, uh, you know, they're all contributing to the uh, political climate. So I don't think it just needs to be the f- official political ad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I woke up the day after election day and like went through the steps of de- deactivating my account. Not necessarily because of this, but just like because Facebook is just shitty in a lot of ways. Not mm-hmm. not as a platform like the company is shitty. Yeah. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Um and then I then it was like, but how will I keep track of all the events that are happening? Yes, that's uh, how they get. That's, that's how, how they, they get, get you yeah. to stay. But I don't use it much. But I honestly, I do. I do think about just there deleting is a social it inclusion with, yeah. issue, right? Yeah, it, that part is hard to address. And I mean, it'd be nice to like have an analog social life, but I'd be the only one. So. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's it's funny because people talk about oh it's how people connect with their family and friends no really it's the events yeah it really is the events if you're not on facebook you don't get any event notifications but that's part of the community yeah that is though but it's a different way but yeah yeah. there's no alternative it's the one thing like you know you can keep in touch with people on twitter and instagram Mm -hmm. which mind you like instagram like whatever they're all yeah it's all facebook trash yeah Instagram's Facebook, Twitter has its own problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are alternate uh, alternative platforms, at least that are less damaging. Yeah. Um, like even though Instagram is a Facebook product now, it's not the. It doesn't have the same pitfalls just because it is so much, such a stripped down platform. Um, so you can just DM your people and that would be fine. Like, uh, you don't have to get into these moral quandaries to the same degree. But and this is after. Facebook basically caused a civil war in Myanmar. Like, like I, I just, I don't. Yeah, they're, the fact that they're not even engaging with any sort of social responsibility, even though the, the expression of corporate social responsibility is kind of a bullshit thing, though, how often it's used and how it's used. They're not even like playing with that language. <laughs> you all they're think- really doubling down. That's how powerful they are. That's what's scary about yeah, it. Yeah, no, they, they can afford to they kind are of buck glo- everything. Like a global power. Yeah. This they're is not a pay US off, power. They're going to get sued by the housing department and yeah. they're just going to pay and yeah. they'll keep paying yeah. whatever fines they get because they'll be nominal and inconsequential to them. And it'll be cheaper than doing what's right and they'll keep doing that. You know what's... But if they can, 
if they alienate a good portion of their user base. Yeah. Um, Should I do it? I just want to do it right now. Just Can I do just it. See a ca- just <laughs> Are you wait, gonna wait, do wait, it? wait, 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 wait. I really want to do it. Does that mean we have to like get off Messenger too? That would be a problem, but because you know, you know how our, we're set up. But we could do it in Slack. I must no, you say. can keep Messenger but delete Facebook. Okay. I mean, I don't know if that sends the same. They don't give a fuck if I leave, but I want to leave for my own conscience. I'm going to do it right now. Oh, and here no one it really is, cares. You all. Amy. Is I was leaving Facebook. <laughs> going to do it in before, real but time. I need to be babysat. Okay, go ahead. So that, okay, so where are you at now? Which screen are you on? <laughs> yeah, this isn't that exciting. <laughs> okay, so I while just, I just need someone to like hold me accountable personally. Okay, so like, would you delete it? I'm not deleting it right you now. You can't. You're very active. I'm too. very active. You actually on Facebook. use Facebook. I, I don't use Facebook. use Facebook. I don't lose anything. You know why too? It's because I have Facebook pages because I'm a business. Yeah. And you that's know, what's hard. The other thing I enjoy about Facebook. Now we're just talking about what we like about fuck Facebook. Uh, <laughs> no, but this is the problem because what no, they but this because is a lot of our issue. lives became yeah. entangled in Facebook and lived on Facebook and expressed on Facebook and whatever else. And, you know, like, I really enjoy your, you know, this day, whatever, going back. It's like those journals where you keep, like, one note about each day, like the five-year journals. Or yeah, whatever. totally. It's kind of like that. And I, f- I love reading all the dumb shit I used to post. It's so funny. It's usually just me studying, no sleep, got my Red Bull, posted <laughs> in uh, MRT, come study, <laughs> ordered a pizza. Those are all my posts. But th- I find them very hilarious. Uh, <laughs> But it's but it's you know it's hard to just walk away from that and that's what's frustrating. Yeah, um, that it's it's your data, it's your you know it's your history, it's It's your your community. Yeah, like yeah, it it really is. I I can't even find how to deactivate deactivate this from mobile. That's so annoying. All right, y'all. Ooh, ooh, I'm gonna download my information (laughs) though. Request a copy. We should all ask for our data. Yes, we should. Okay. And now, <laughs> now it's we're getting on weird. to ratted receipts. <laughs> Welcome back to Rant and Receipts, where, um, well, we find a topic and we rant about it. And Amy, you've, you've, you've let us in with your Facebook. How's your Facebook deletion slash deactivation going? Yeah, I was going to do a different ramp, but now I'm midway through trying to deactivate Facebook. Um, So I guess there's two ways to get out. So in between the break, I took me some time to find uh, how the fuck to get out of Facebook. (laughs) Um, And I realized that like, well, I try, I'm going to download all my data um, and get that shit. Um, so What's they the send you a file of like everything from June 3rd, 2006, which is when I first got on Facebook to now, whatever today is, 2019. Is I like, was 2006 too. That's actually. when it started. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> 2005, 2006 was like the f- when it kind of got broader than whatever local campuses in the States. Right. And you needed a university. Pa- account. Right. Right. And I, rem- I had like gone into Ottawa U and when they when you first get in, they give you your, your U Ottawa email. And the second I got because I had a friend in Michigan and they had been on Facebook already for a while. And we would like go over and we'd like creep people on Facebook like before we knew what creeping was. But we'd like, you know, like b- check out people's Facebook profiles that we knew in the States. Yeah. And then 
Uh, so I knew the second that we could get the university like logins, I was like all over it. For so me, it's been, it, it's been a long road. For me, it was uh, it was during my master's and uh, I have a friend who studied in the States. So mm-hmm. that's how she knew about Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like, you need to get on this now. Yeah. She doesn't use Facebook anymore. By no, the no, way. no. I, yeah, uh, I, fuck. <laughs> it's like, so true. I like, although. <laughs> I feel like you should like play the vitamin C graduation song on top of this rant to be like, oh. as we go on. <laughs> I'm just like very nostalgic <laughs> and I just like tell you all my positive and negative Facebook memories. Look, I realize I actually like log into a shit ton of things through Facebook. Mm-hmm. So like Pinterest and like Airbnb, all things I shouldn't probably be logging into anyway. So this is probably for the best. Yeah. So um, the Facebook I was login. like using the shorthand of using a Facebook yeah. login for yeah. all these things. Yeah. So uh that is found in security, I think, that you can yeah, you can actually yeah, I like, deactivate. It's de- off it's yeah. off it's called off Facebook activity. Okay. And you can disconnect it. And where is that located? Uh, who knows? In settings somewhere. Okay. Um also I should have left breadcrumbs so I could find my way back, but I'm too far along now. Well, so I can't Facebook has, is, has like honestly, all these tabs and links and, yeah. and stuff like that is become a behemoth. Yeah. It's it's just well, and, and just, you know, it reminds me of like how integrated all this shit is. And yeah. it is hard to, um, I mean, you forget like Facebook is so many things. I mean, yeah, we were talking, Erica and I over the break, say, talking about how, as you know, even Messenger is not great yeah. uh, because there's no encryptment. There's no like, you know, there are some issues with surveillance and whatever else. And I was like, the great thing about WhatsApp is the messages are encrypted. But then, yeah, Eric reminded me, like, Facebook is owned by WhatsApp, or Facebook owns WhatsApp now. Yeah. So it's like, there's really nowhere to turn to. No. You know, I, yeah, I was thinking of getting hip and getting on TikTok, but apparently that's going to be a shit show for, for privacy. And, and Okay, so TikTok. <laughs> like, Jug Me really inspired me, so, but. I know, no, TikTok videos I was like, oh, are I could TikTok. amazing, right? They are. They're amazing. They yeah, are it's funny. Fun. It's fun. They are great. The problem with TikTok is you don't know if your shit's going to like the Chinese government. And that's a very real thing. Like Axios had a piece, you know how they mm. have the short little roundups and stuff. They talked about the. And if you look in Wired, there was a whole piece on TikTok and data going to the Chinese government and surveillance and so on and so forth. And, you know, China has that social credit system, too. Yeah. Where, like, think about that shit. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I think it's just really hard to keep, because there's so many things that are um kind of interconnected in these ways so like it's it's hard to be completely off the grid so that's, that's the one the thing. thing but i guess it's just about minimizing the damage but when you talk about withdrawing your support for facebook as a uh entity and or you know company that you're participating with as a consumer and you want to withdraw that support it's not just facebook it's so many other things well and, that's why uh, it, gets, when it gets hard people were people were uh, okay, when face- so I'm not gonna deact. No, I'm joking. I'm still gonna do it. Okay, so there's a difference between deactivation yeah, yeah. and deletion. Yeah, right? I'm gonna do the cop out version where I deactivate the okay. account temporarily. So you could still use Messenger. Yeah. And what's the difference? Yeah, between- I have to wean myself off. Okay, okay I'm, I can't do this cold turkey. Okay, so um, I already live a carb free, dairy free life. I can't be completely f- Messenger free too. You know, it's like it's really tough. That's, that's brave. Yeah, thank you. Um, no, so you can deactivate your account, which is temporary and it lets you, 
uh, all your stuff is removed, and it, but it lets you use Messenger, and when you get back off, it reactivates all your shit. So they still have your shit, but like whatever. Yeah. And I'm gonna do it at least until I get the data. They my my files. So mm-hmm. that those will take a while. They're pending. So I just requested them all my like posts and everything. So they ha- at least have my diarized version of my life. Right. Um. Which I don't know how that data will look like. It's like HTML format. So that'll be fun read. <laughs> um. But I at least want to wait till they give me that, and then I can delete. So deleting your account is permanent, and then you don't have anything on there ever and you can't use messenger but so then i wrote him the group chat with my friends and they were all like oh yeah great idea this is all during the break this is totally like this not like a rig thing i was totally gonna do something else um but everyone's like oh yeah i totally am gonna do that fuck facebook whatever it's a cesspool <laughs> and then someone was like oh yeah delete facebook but get facebook local which i didn't know about but i guess in 2017 facebook released a thing with that's just for events and like you know the your local scene oh cool so you can follow like businesses and and shit and check out on events and it's a separate app yeah so yeah. but then that doesn't obviously that's not the same impact so i probably won't get facebook local i'm just gonna deactivate and then i'll s- I would probably say delete it this is like deactivate such a, and then wait like wait 30 days and then see how, like, y- you adjust your life and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I've deactivated before, you know, mm. to study. I used to do this thing in undergrad where I'd, like, make a big deal about deactivating my account during exams and, like, pick a random password out of, like, a book. Like, pick a <laughs> random page out of a book in the library and, like, make a fake password. And then, like, before you could deactivate, you had to, like, just change your passwords. And yeah. then I, then they introduced deactiva- like temporary deactivation. So I yeah. did that for a while. Um, no, I mean, this is like the most cowardly way to be like, I'm going to leave Facebook, but not really. And also I might come back. So like, uh, I'm sure everyone's really judging me right now. Uh, uh, we've just the, explained why. <laughs> whatever. And whatever. We're all fucked. Um, <laughs> it says deactivating your Facebook account, um, you know, gives you a list of why you're le- leaving. Oh, fuck. So some information may still be visible to others. Such as your name and your friends list. Fuck those guys. Um, <laughs> so your options for why you're deactivating. This is temporary. I'll get. I'll be back. I get too many emails, invitations, and requests from ba- Facebook. That sounds like a little snooty. Uh, I spend too much time using Facebook. Um, maybe. I have a private. I have privacy concerns. Definitely. Oh, you, I don't yeah. feel safe on Facebook. Also, that. Oh, fuck! It only lets you pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I have another Facebook account. No. My <laughs> uh, account was hacked that one time. I didn't have, uh, I didn't find Facebook useful. Also true. I don't understand how to use Facebook. Mm, not untrue. And uh, please explain further. So what should I put in the ex- please explain further? You are a shit company with no moral compass. And are destroying what? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Okay, and you're going to upend democracy. Yes. With no moral compass. So I just got a new phone and it doesn't autocorrect. You sound, well like, yet. you sound like me when I when I unsubscribed from um oh what's that awful place's name? What's that awful white woman white feminism place called? Uh that fired all its racialized staff because apparently I'm Which place? Equal voice. Oh right. 
Sorry. So it could have been a lot of places. No, because apparently you meant I, here. I, I blocked it out too, apparently. So I literally wrote them that I'm not supporting an organization that fires basically all of its racialized staff in a month and then wants to ask me to come to their events as a racialized woman. Yeah, they had an AGM like the next week. And I'm just like, like, <laughs> I wrote this. I'm like, take me off your list. Obviously, you don't you don't represent my values. Yeah. I'm like, I'm all for that kind of feedback, by the way. Anyway, while Amy carries on to. No, I'm done. It's have off. Yes, I did it. You did it. Boom. So now you're. Okay, so we can still reach you on Messenger, though. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we should move it to Slack. So fucking cowardly. Uh, Relax. It's fine. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to do it in steps. Yeah, it's something. Okay. So, on to genocidal denial by the Nobel Prize Committee for Literature. That's right. So, um, there's a controversy, again, over Peter, Peter Handke winning the 2019 Nobel Prize for Literature. And the controversy is, can you be a genocide denier if all you do is cast doubts about the genocide? Now, <clears throat> this I, I thought this was very crucial because this is how people deny racism and sexism and Islamophobia and stuff. So it's all part of the same sort of um, approach or tactic. So um, Peter Hanke's supporters have argued that it's unfair to accuse him of denying the Serbian genocide of Bosnia's Muslims because he has never actually claimed the genocide did not happen. So, quote, oh, by the way, shocking for somebody who knows how to write <laughs> and, like, frame issues. F- quote, for me, it is crucial. It's for me, it is crucial that Hanka regretted the war in Yugoslavia, that he preferred a peaceful resolution of the conflict, stated Henrik Peterson, a member of the Nobel Committee for Literature that selected Hanka. Another member, Rebecca Card, said that while Hanka had written some, quote, hair-raising things, unquote, she could not find a dogmatic attitude to his work. Um, so basically... The Nobel, the Nobel Prize for Literature Committee is mm-hmm. defending their selection of uh, the Nobel Prize winner, Peter Hanka, who um, is basically a Serbian genocide apologizer. Now, the defense um, stands in defiance of what has long been noted by historians of the Holocaust and other genocides. Outright denial is just one way to deny deny a genocide. Um, Other ways include claiming deaths were inadvertent or unauthorized by political leaders or there weren't as many deaths reported or that the victims were Mm -hmm. killed in retaliation for previous killings that had been carried out. Those strategies are strategies of denial, and they are in themselves. The not, denial of genocide is in itself a form of genocide. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of times I say that the denial of racism is a form of racism. This is basically the same thing. And the 
the <coughs> the incapability of repudiating this right wing uh, racist uh, violence, basically, is exactly the problem. I mean, I talk about the monk debates for a, a lot because it's a, it is the same thing we're seeing worldwide, that these institutions, in order to seem more modern and less liberal, are only just highlighting and giving credibility to uh, genocide deniers, to eug- um, eugenicists, to all these people who basically are well racist and mm-hmm. homophobes islamophobes etc cetera, etc cetera. i also brought this up because we had another um we had a discussion about genocide in this country and it didn't go very well yeah and and had a lot of these types of uh right explanation explanation exactly. rationale and i would also like to and people point do out, it all the time they do and i would also like to point out that it is Canadian media that highlighted mm-hmm. the and t- wrote about and talked about the definition of genocide more than genocide itself. Genocide against Indigenous people committed in Canada, a blueprint, by the way, that was used by South Africa later on to um, round up and discriminate and dehumanize black people in South Africa. So mm-hmm. that's Canada's legacy. And I want to bring this back to the Canadian media because they frame media frames the discussion mm-hmm. no matter what. They have power. I don't care how much money they're losing. They have power. And so the idea of Canadian media um, denying genocide and highlighting the conversation around yeah. the definition rather than the substance itself mm-hmm. is white supremacy in action. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's basically it. That's my rant. I have nothing to add to that. That well, was brilliant. I was just, I would just like to also point out that this is the Nobel prize committees also have a problem with women. And we have talked about that in previous episodes. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of issues and frankly, there's, there's way too much emphasis on, I think on that whole the whole award, whatever the yes. fuck it is. Yes, yes. There's a lot of issues with um, the distribution, too, of who's awarded. There's a ridiculously high rate of Americans winning the Nobel Prize. I noticed which seems that. completely unearned. Yes. And, uh, you know, there, there's... And it, and it is a bit of an arbitrary thing that we kind of revere this, you know, the panel that, that you know, arrives at these kind of seemingly otherwise arbitrary because it's not even people of those fields necessarily you know what i mean with literature there are a lot of people in the literary world you know always take issue with the winners and yeah that sort of thing so so uh, it's just to me i'm really starting to see these as just as just offshoots of colonial hierarchy and hierarchical structure like to me that's what post-World War II institutions look like. Mm-hmm. Just vestiges of colonialism in their hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And how that hierarchy works to suppress people below. And so, suppress and oppress. And so, I mean, I'm here for rethinking these structures, to be honest. Because it just doesn't serve us anymore. There's so many people that they're leaving out that they're not even effective. 
Anyway, that's my piece. So, um, I believe that's our episode. So, uh, as usual, find us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Gmail, email us, uh, tweet us, find us on Instagram. All of our handles are in the show notes. And until next time, we will see you later. And stay tuned for Misogynist of the Week this week. Bye. Bye.